Welcome to the Healing Pain Podcast. Your host, Dr. Joe Tata, leads the conversation around the way pain is treated in the U.S. and around the world with experts from the fields of medicine, physical therapy, nutrition, personal development, exercise, psychology, and more. Each week, you can listen to receive free information about ways to treat and reverse chronic persistent pain. Now, here is Dr. Joe Tata. Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Healing Pain Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Joe Tata. As always, it is a pleasure and honor to be here with you for another week where we talk about the latest in pain care and pain science. I just came back from an exciting weekend in Providence, Rhode Island, where I was teaching a nutrition course to physical therapists and physical therapist assistant students. So our future DPTs or doctors of physical therapy that are coming out of school. That happened at what's called the National Student Conclave. It's one of the three national conferences that the American Physical Therapy Association puts on every year. So I want to first say thank you to the APTA and the National Student Conclave for inviting me up to the beautiful city of Providence, Rhode Island. I had such a great time. I spoke to probably about 300 DPT students. They are super excited to get out into the world and help people with pain. And they're also excited to integrate nutrition into their practice which makes me excited because it's one of the things that I really love about helping people with pain. Also this week, I seem to have a lot of questions from our community about neuropathic pain and neuropathy. So I figured that I would do a live training or a training for my community where I would talk to you about neuropathic pain and share some tips that you can use, some strategies you can use to either treat your neuropathic pain, or if you're a practitioner, what you can do as far as neuropathic pain in the clinic goes when it comes to nutrition. Now, if you're on my blog and you're watching this video, awesome, because I'm gonna have a great slideshow presentation that's gonna accompany the things that I'm talking about today. If you're on your cell phone and you're listening to this, maybe you're driving in the car, maybe you're in the gym, on the treadmill, working out, don't worry, you're gonna get just as good information from this just by listening as if you're watching the video. No matter who you are, if you'd like to access the content of what I'm going to share with today, I'm going to give you free access to it. So to access this, all you have to do to download the slides of this presentation, all you have to do is go to the URL www.drjotata.com forward slash 108 download. That's www.drjotata.com forward slash 108 download, or if you're on your smartphone, your cell phone, pick it up and text the word 108 download to the number 44222. That's 108 download to the number 44222. When you do that, I will send the slide presentation, the slide deck right to your inbox so you can have it, whether you're someone who is struggling with pain or you're a practitioner, this is great information to have to help yourself out. Okay, so as I mentioned today, we're going to be talking about neuropathic pain or neuropathy. And the place I want to start as we talk about this is I want to start talking about metabolic syndrome. Now, metabolic syndrome is a clinical diagnosis that your practitioner will diagnose. And you need three out of the five following criteria to be diagnosed with metabolic syndrome. And those criteria are elevated weight circumference elevated blood pressure or being on hypertension medications, elevated fasting glucose or being on medications for hyperglycemia, 
elevated triglycerides, or reduced HDL, which many of you know as the good cholesterol. So you need three out of the five of those. Now, you don't necessarily have to go for blood tests. Two of these you can do really easily on your own. One is looking at your waist circumference, and two is looking at blood pressure. Now, if you're a practitioner, a licensed healthcare practitioner, you can do two of these in the clinic. You can measure someone's waist circumference with a tape measure, and you can, of course, measure someone's blood pressure with a blood pressure cuff. If you don't have access to testing someone looking at blood values, you can just simply ask the patient, or if you are the patient, look at your latest annual physical. On your physical, hopefully, you should see triglycerides, HDL, and your fasting glucose. So if you have three out of five that are out of the normal limits that you'll see on this screen here, then you know you have a diagnosis of metabolic syndrome. And the reason why that's important is because the diagnosis of metabolic syndrome, metabolic syndrome is an inflammatory condition. It's an inflammatory disease. And we know that that chronic low-grade or sometimes moderate-grade inflammation can lead to many types of chronic pain syndromes. Metabolic syndrome is also closely associated with obesity. So this is a map of the United States of America. And those states that you see in red or that deeper red color are the states where the population of that state has a BMI or a body mass index over the limit of 30. That points to those being overweight. Now, it's not just those states that are red. Obesity is a problem throughout every single state in the United States of America, especially when you start to kind of boil it down to certain zip codes or certain parts of those states. And last but not least, we know that obesity is associated with chronic pain. This is a study, a 2012 study from the Journal of Obesity that looked at people's BMI, people's body mass index. And it clearly shows no matter what age you are and whether you're male or female, as you go from being a normal weight to being overweight, to then to being in the obese category one, the obese category two, the obese category three, that chronic pain is more likely to develop. So the take-home message is as you start to put weight on, as you start to have those metabolic indicators of having metabolic syndrome, you're more likely to have a chronic pain type syndrome. This is just a map of the United States of America that looks at the prevalence of diabetes. And you'll see those same states where obesity is high, that the rates of diabetes are high there as well. This is all public information you can find on the CDC at cdc.gov, or you can find it on the NIH, which is the National Institutes of Health at nih.gov. I love looking at stats. I think sometimes numbers tell a story, in this case, not a, a very happy story, but about 30 million Americans have diabetes. That's about 10% of the population. Out of those 30 million Americans, 7 million of them have been undiagnosed, meaning they're walking around with diabetes and they're not receiving the care that they really need. I think what's more important to look at and what's more important to take into consideration as we continue on this podcast and we talk about neuropathic pain is that many people have prediabetes. Many more people, I should say, have prediabetes. 84 million Americans are prediabetic. So they have high blood sugar or they have insulin resistance. They're on their way to having diabetes. And even more important 
is that when we look at people over the age of 65, almost half of all Americans, 48% of those over the age of 65 are pre-diabetic. Again, they're on the way to having diabetes. Now, why is this important? Why am I talking about pre-diabetes and diabetes so much? Well, this is a 2008 study in the Journal of Rheumatology that looked at the ability to regulate blood glucose or the ability for a patient to regulate the blood glucose and chronic widespread pain in their body, meaning pain that happens in multiple joints or multiple um, areas of the body. And this study pointed to a significant association between having diabetes and having that chronic widespread pain that oftentimes you find in conditions like osteoarthritis or you find in conditions like fibromyalgia. We know that when blood sugar is dysregulated, you're more likely to have chronic widespread pain in multiple parts of your body. This is a 2018 study in the Clinical Journal of Translational Neurology. And this is not the first study, but they found that similar to previous studies, when you have diabetes and when you're obese, that these are the metabolic drivers of peripheral neuropathy. So having diabetes and having metabolic syndrome are the drivers of peripheral neuropathy. And it really points to practitioners that we need to pay attention to these metabolic factors and we need to treat these metabolic factors when we help people treat peripheral neuropathy. This is a 2014 study from the Handbook of Clinical Neurology where they look at the epidemiology of polyneuropathy in those who have prediabetes and diabetes. And it shows those with painful neuropathy, about 25% of those with painful neuropathy have diabetes. That's somewhere between 25% and 62% of patients with idiopathic peripheral neuropathy have diabetes. That's really important. Idiopathic neuropathy means that we can't find a cause for it. We don't know what the cause for it is. But upwards of 62% of those with idiopathic peripheral neuropathy have prediabetes. About 25% of those have neuropathic pain. And then finally, as we look at people who have normal blood glucose or normal glycemia, as they transition to having problematic fasting glucose or impaired fasting glucose, having impaired glucose tolerance, and finally, up to pre-diabetes and diabetes is that the frequency is higher. Now, there are certain tests that you can have your practitioner run to look at whether you have pre-diabetes or whether you have diabetes itself. Those three tests are H8 hemoglobin A1C or A1C, fasting plasma glucose, and oral glucose tolerance test. If any of those are in the pre-diabetes range, then you want to say to your practitioner, I need some help regulating my glucose. How can I do that? Or you want to kind of look at your own tests. If you have these in your file at home and say, wow, I did not know that I fall in the pre-diabetic or perhaps the diabetic range for A1C, fasting plasma glucose, or your glucose tolerance. A1C is especially important because that's a measurement of long-term inflammation. It's also a measurement of long term glucose tolerance. Now, from the 2015 Journal of the American College of Nutrition, we know that chronic disease is driven by inflammation. We know that anti-inflammatory nutrition is important for stabilizing someone's nutrition. And when you use this anti-inflammatory nutrition, not only do you stabilize your insulin, 
but you also silence the genes that drive inflammation. And there's no important way to overcome inflammation or to manage chronic inflammation than an anti-inflammatory diet. Now, the greatest challenge with this is that the average American starts the day off probably with a nice cup of coffee that has about five to 10 added teaspoons of sugar. In addition to that, they have either a donut with that, or perhaps a bagel, or perhaps a croissant, or a scone, or some other type of pastry that really is all carbohydrate. It's all processed carbohydrates that cause your blood sugar and your insulin to spike. Then we move on to lunch, where we have these sugar-laden soft drinks or sugar-laden drinks that have added sugar to it. And oftentimes we have a high glycemic or high carbohydrate lunch. And then we move on to dinner where there may be some protein, but oftentimes, again, more than half of that plate are starchy carbohydrates. I often wonder, is our American diet affecting us? And the answer is yes. We know that's affecting our weight. We know that it's affecting metabolic syndrome. We know that it's affecting things like diabetes and prediabetes, and it's also affecting neuropathic pain. That's why people call it the STAD diet or the standard American diet, because it leaves you not feeling well physically, so it leaves you feeling pain. It's linked to chronic pain-type syndromes. It gives you brain fog. It affects things like anxiety and depression. Almost everything about the Western diet or the standard American diet leaves you feeling not well. Now, when we look at sugar intake, the American Heart Association recommends less than six teaspoons of sugar for an adult female and less than nine teaspoons of sugar for an adult male. However, right now, the average American is getting probably more than 20 teaspoons of sugar to their diet every day. Again, it's coming in the form of processed foods, sugars, cookies, candies, cakes, breads, sugar-laden sodas, soft drinks, coffee, things of that nature. Now, this is the plate from the U.S. government, the way they recommend that you eat. You can read this by going to choosemyplate.gov. It does a pretty good job, but in my opinion, if you're struggling with high blood sugar, if you're insulin resistant, if you're pre-diabetic or you're diabetic and you've not been able to regulate your blood glucose, this may be a start. However, I'll tell you some of the challenges of my plate. First is that the quantity of fruit on this plate that you're having three times a day is too large. Fruit contains a lot of sugar. That's why people like it. It tastes sweet. They recommend you have dairy with each serving. So that could be a glass of milk, let's say, every time you sit down and eat. Dairy is known to be inflammatory. It's also known to irritate people with chronic pain type syndromes. And dairy also has sugar in it. It's called lactose. Lactose is a sugar. And last but not least, perhaps the most important part of this plate is when you look at their recommendation to grains, they say that half your grains should be whole grains. Now, if you're having a challenge regulating your blood glucose, regulating your blood sugar, I recommend that all of your grains should be whole grains, staying away from the cereals, the breads, and the pastas that are processed. My top seven strategies for regulating blood sugar or your blood glucose is make sure all of your grains are whole grains. Choose beverages that have no added sugar, such as water, tea, or coffee. Stay away from all the types of beverages that have sugar added to them. Limit or decrease your portion of grain on your plate. So when you look at your plate, 
25% of that plate or less should be a grain, even if it's whole grain. Limit or eliminate dairy. Of course, stay well away from the snacks, cookies, cakes, candies, crackers, breads, pastas, and sugar-added foods. Simple things like people enjoy or they like fruit in a can. That fruit in a can oftentimes has added sugar to it. Oftentimes it comes out with that syrup to it. Um, that syrup has a lot of sugar. And then last but not least, eliminate artificial sweeteners or what are known as high-intensity sweeteners. These are the sweeteners that you find in those packets when you go to restaurants that are yellow or blue or red or white. These high-intensity sweeteners may have no calories to them, but what they do is they send a signal right to your brain that tells your brain, wow, this tastes really good. And once you have them, it's hard to put them down. It's hard to stay away from other sweetened type beverages and high starchy foods. The healthy carbs that I recommend, there are seven healthy carbs I recommend that you can eat every day. Those are brown rice, black rice, quinoa, sweet potato, beans, dark berries like blueberries, raspberries, or blackberries, and then winter squash. These are all carbs that are really good for you. They also come with a lot of fiber. So when you eat them, they slowly get processed through the digestive tract. So they don't spike your blood sugar and they don't spike your insulin. Now, if you're saying, well, Dr. Joe, that's great. Brown rice and black rice and quinoa don't have a lot of flavor to them. They can be a little bland. What I recommend is when you make those dishes, you saute them with a couple of teaspoons of olive oil. That olive oil adds flavor. You can also saute it with some onion, some garlic, and make sure you throw in a lot of things like oregano or marjoram or turmeric. Those things make the brown rice or the quinoa taste good. They also add lots of anti-inflammatory phytonutrients. If you want to know a plate, if you don't like the USDA plate, I actually don't recommend the US plate to my patients. I recommend this plate, a Mediterranean type plate, where half of your plate is non-starchy vegetables. You add some olive oil to that for its anti-inflammatory impact. About 25% of your plate is a healthy piece of protein, like fish or poultry. And then a small portion of your plate, 25% or less, are whole grains. And of course, you're drinking things like water and coffee and tea or herbal teas with no sugar added, limiting your dairy. Now, if you've already tried all that, then I recommend you try a gluten-free diet. This is an article from the American Academy of Neurology, published in February 2018, that recommends a strict gluten-free diet can help protect against nerve pain in those that have gluten sensitivity. And then this, hot off the press, from the Journal of Neurology, where they looked at those that have gluten neuropathy, so those that have a sensitivity to gluten, what they found was, or what they recommend, is that neuropathic pain is very prevalent in those with gluten sensitivity, and it's also associated with poorer health, that a strict gluten-free diet may be protective in helping those with peripheral neuropathic pain and those that have gluten sensitivity. So they're recommending a gluten-free diet if you have neuropathic pain. Once again, if you want to look at some of the lab values, I would look at the indicators for metabolic syndrome, that is elevated waist circumference, elevated triglycerides, reduced HDL, elevated blood pressure, and elevated fasting glucose. Look at the three indicators for diabetes or prediabetes, that's H1C or hemoglobin A1C, 
fasting plasma glucose and your oral glucose tolerance test. If you haven't had these done in a while, ask your practitioner to run them and look at all the values. Know that changing how you eat can reduce your pain. It's one of the best evidence-based ways to help you reduce pain. Know that nutrition isn't the only solution for pain, but it may be the one most important solution if you have chronic neuropathic pain and you haven't been able to find a solution for it. Okay, you can have this slide presentation. It's available to you for free. All you have to do is go to the URL www.drjotata.com forward slash 108 download, or you can text the word 108 download to the number 44222. Now, if you want a little bit of sweetness in your life, which we all love, what I use and what I recommend to every single one of my patients is 100% organic stevia liquid. You can find this in most of grocery stores. I found this one in Whole Food. It's a liquid, it comes in a little dropper. I use this every morning. I put one or two little drops into my green tea or on some days where I need more of a pick-me-up, I put one or two drops into a single shot of espresso. This will not spike your insulin. It will not spike your glucose. You can also use this in baking recipes. So it's a 100% organic stevia liquid. I love it. It's super sweet. You only need one or two little drops. It does not taste like white table sugar. Something takes you a little bit of time to get used to it. But once you get used to it, it's a really great substitute to add to all of your recipes and to things like your coffee. Okay, that's my little live training. I'm so happy that you could be here with me today. Make sure to download the presentation and make sure to share this out with your friends and family on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever your favorite social media handle is. Make sure if you're new to the podcast, to sign up for the mailing list. The way you do that is by going to www.drjotata.com forward slash podcast. On the right-hand side of the page, you'll see a little box where you can enter your name and email address. And each week I will send you the latest podcast to your inbox for free. What can be better than that? Okay, it's been great being with all of you here today. Again, thank you to the APTA and the National Student Conclave to talk about nutrition. I hope this helps you out. If you have neuropathic pain or neuropathy, give it a try. Reach out to me on my Facebook page at drjoetata.com. Let me know how you're feeling, and I'll see you next week on the Healing Pain Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Healing Pain Podcast. For more information on this episode and access to links discussed, please visit drjoetata.com and click on the podcast tab where you will find the blog post for this and all previous episodes and can sign up for Dr. Joe Tata's email list to receive the latest information on chronic pain. Also, make sure to stay connected on his Facebook page at Dr. Joe Tata.